Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. Our first lesson today is taken from John 15, verses 1 through 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, lots of good pieces in this, lots of things you may recognize bits and pieces of. Uh, there's a lot here, so listen again with fresh ears. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, listen for the word of the Lord. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all." But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. And when it says he ascended, what does it mean? But then he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things." The gifts he gave that were some would be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro or blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly promises the body's growth in building itself up in love. Whew. This is the word of Christ. 
Thanks be to God. So a father is with his daughter and they are at a little fair, a little carnival. And she says, Daddy, I want some cotton candy. She says, okay. And she goes and comes back with the large and the cotton candy ball is bigger than her head. And he says, honey, how in the world are you going to eat that? And she says, it's okay, Daddy. I'm much bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. And today Paul is calling us to similar place in our faith journey. He's looking at the inward part of who we are and how we need to grow into the people that we have been called to be. So let's take a look at our passage for the day. We are in the book of Ephesians. Traditionally, Paul is credited as being the author. Recent scholarship has said maybe it's someone who had followed Paul in the same likeness with a lot of the same phrasing, but either way, it is a great letter to this church in Ephesus. And what is Ephesus dealing with? Well, as many of Paul's letters are, there is some friction between Jews and Gentiles who are both seeking to become Christian. Paul had spent some time at the church in Ephesus and had started this group, and as you may uh, as it is logical to think, there are groups saying that other groups don't quite have it figured out, or no, that's not right, or you have to do this before you can do this, and A, B, and C. And so Paul is writing to them in one of the, the bigger messages of the book of Ephesians, which is unity, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before we get there, one of the first things that Paul talks to us about is growing and maturing in faith. There are several points of the Bible from Hebrews to 1 Peter's to other letters in Paul where we talk about entering faith as a child or in this case, a baby. Now, we love babies. They're cute. They're sweet. They're cuddly. We want all the babies we can get around here. But you know what a baby is? pretty darn selfish. What does a baby do? Cries when it wants something. When a baby gets hungry, what does it do? It cries. When it needs a change, what does it do? It cries. Me, me, me. All about me, a baby says. And Paul says, this is often the place that we find ourselves spiritually and the place from which we cannot stay in the same place. In the middle of the night, a little boy fell out of his bed, and mom comes running and said, son, are you okay? What happened? He said, mommy, I think I stayed too close to my bed. I stayed too close to where I got in. That was better before I stumbled all over it. But the true is often, the, the same is true of our spiritual life, where we come into faith is often the place where we stay. And Paul is saying, no, it is time to grow. We cannot stay in the same place that we always have been. We cannot stay in the same place we came to faith. We are being called to learn. We are being called to teach, to lead, to follow, and to be disciples. What often happens 
is that wherever we come to faith, and, and the stats I've, I've seen record this phenomenon, that if, if you grew up in church, you grew up in, you came up through children's ministry and youth group, often where you graduate youth group is where a lot of the percentage of adult Christians stay. Why? Because they've stopped pushing themselves. They, they stopped being a part of a group of accountability. And so they stay at that same um, kind of adolescent place of spirituality, which is a great place to be. But we're not called to stay in any one place. Wherever you are in your, in your faith journey is the right place to be. Even if you don't believe, we are glad that you're here and this is a safe place for you to be open and to listen and to learn. God is doing amazing things. But we hamper God's efforts when we get to that point where we just say, eh, good enough. I was baptized, check. Went through confirmation, check. That's got to get me in, right? Afterlife? Well, no. Those are symbols of our faith and symbols of a part of our journey. Thomas Merton, who was a Trappist monk in the United States, said, in one sense, we are always traveling, and in another sense, we have already arrived. So whenever you came to Christ, whether that was a, a moment of conversion or whether that was some kind of looking back and seeing that God has been present within you and you made a decision to follow, that is a moment that's arriving, you're there. But then the rest of your life is that journey to try to get closer to Christ, knowing yourself, knowing the world in relationship to that journey. You hear the old, that, that phrase, it's not about the journey, it's about the destination. It is both. It is both. It is about the journey that we're on and it is about the destination where we are being called to go. It's like a marriage or a significant relationship with friends. When you marry somebody, that is a day, that is a wonderful celebration and event, like conversion in the faith, perhaps. You're there. But then the rest of your life together, it's about finding out who you are as individuals, as a couple, as the world change, as your station in life changes, all of that, it's an ongoing journey. It's the same with faith. And in the same way that in our marriages, we can't simply just shut it down and stop growing, we cannot do that in our spiritual journey with Christ either. Because it doesn't just affect you. As this says, you are given gifts through Christ to be used to equip the saints for ministry to build up the body of Christ. That's pretty direct. That's pretty understandable. What happens if all of us get to a point where we say, eh, it's enough. I don't really, I'm, I'm in. I think I'm in enough. I'll roll the dice. I don't really push myself to grow. I don't 
really have a well-defined prayer life. I don't really look at scripture. I'm not really a part of a group of Christians that are seeking to be faithful. I'm not really serving others. I'm not, but, but I, I have a sense of belief and, and so I'm good. Now, not, not only does that truncate your own relationship with Christ, but it also hampers what we can do as a church family. That old 80-20 rule in churches, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Often true and horrible. We all want the church to grow. What do we want? We want more people. We want more young families. We want more youth. We want more activity and excitement. And I'm a big believer that evangelism, while yes, we continue to do our outreach programs to try to get uh, uh, take the word of Christ to those in different places. The number one thing that will grow this church is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not dependent on the number of pens we hang out or we hand out on Broadway or the number of events that we're seeing in the community. And those, those things are important. I'm not saying we don't do those. But when somebody comes into a church and they see energy, enthusiasm, people who are committed to Christ in a sense of faith, that's where we build it from the inside out. If you come to a church and we are at a place of infancy, kind of a shallow faith, people can see that and people sense that. So for us to be a faithful community that grows in number and depth of faith, it is on each of us. Because when we grow and mature in faith, so too does the church grow and mature. How do we know that we are seeking a mature faith? No longer, Paul says, are you going to be an infant? You need to now stand and grow. It's time. Well, ask yourself, when was the last time you spent time with God? Ask yourself how regularly you spend time with God in whatever way. It's not all about our church. A lot of it, but not all. God is all places. When was the last time you had an honest word of prayer with God or served in God's name or came to a Bible study or a prayer meeting or a worship service? How can we grow if we're not pushing ourselves and allowing others to push us forward? We put ourselves on a spiritual island where we say, I know enough, I've, I've got enough, I've, I had a moment with God and I believe enough. That is not discipleship. And if we're not growing, we're stagnant. And if we're stagnant, then the church will be stagnant. If we are all on our own islands of faith, what happens? Nothing. Nothing. And I believe that you can do some yourself. It's like working out physically in a gym. You can do, you can do some yourself, sure. I've worked out time and time again. I have my little routine that I go and I do, is it successful? Not really, but it can be. When have I been most effective in physically working out? When I've been a part of a team. Why? 
there's a structure there for you. You've got a coach who can help you and lead you. You have that at the church. You're a part of a team. You have that at the church. Those people are going to ask you questions. Maybe you go to a Bible study and you say, why did Jesus Christ have to die a horrible, bloody death on Easter? That's what's keeping me from faith. What is God's role in suffering in the world? Why does a loving God allow so much suffering to happen? Oh, good sermons for another day, by the way. But you staying on your island is just going to keep you there and keep you from faith in God and Christ and growth. But if you go and find some other people, I guarantee you, you're going to find they have some same questions. And they can help you, and you can help them. The team moves forward when everybody is practicing on their own and then comes together to be, in this case, faithful, spirit-driven, uniting those gifts so that we can be the people that Christ is calling us to be. So I, Paul is inviting us to take stock of our lives today. Where are we on that spectrum? And if you're in your infancy of faith, good for you, welcome, we are glad. But take a step deeper and take a step further. We will help you do that. If you are in the adolescence of your faith, come on, take the next step. Don't just sit there. We can all do better together. If you have been a lifelong Christian, it is not the time to say, well, God, I did enough. We'll let the young whippersnappers do it now. I'm out. But some of that's okay. But it doesn't mean you stop growing and practicing your faith. If you remember Carl Lewis, runner in the 80s and 90s, went to University of Houston, and between the Olympics of 84, 88, 92, and 96, won nine gold medals, most of those running, some of those for the long jump. If you watched him in his races, you would see that he always started poorly. He was always the last one off the blocks, and he was always playing catch-up. But what set him apart from everybody else? He was a master at finishing. And it wasn't just start to end, it was that middle part. Once he started, he caught up and he crafted his race so he could catch up in the middle and then win at the end doesn't really matter where we start in our journey. That's not the end. That is the beginning. Even if we're a little slow to get started, what's important is that the journey continues in the middle of our journey and even at the end of the journey so we can finish strong. So our church will grow in number and depth of faith when we as individuals push ourselves to grow in our journey with Christ. And we're here to help one another do that. That's one of the gifts of the community of faith. What is the church? Oh, it's an institution that has abused its power over the year. No, it is a collection of people who are here to love and support each other. That's what the church is, as we all seek to follow and be inspired and led by the risen Christ. So we're being called out by Paul to say wherever we are, we cannot stay. No matter how developed and far along in our journey we are, 
we have to take the next step in growth or our personal relationship suffers, our church family suffers, and thus the community suffers, and the word of Christ is not proclaimed in the way that God is calling us. That's a lot to put on you, I know it. It's on me too. So today, I want you to be inspired. I want you to know that wherever you are in your journey, it is the right spot. I've had people in my last couple of churches, as soon as I get there, they take me out to lunch and say, I am not a believer. I'm not in on this Christian thing. I bring my kids because I like the environment. I said, you are in the right spot. Just be open to listening, to learning, And hopefully we are for the rest of our lives together. So I'd say those who don't believe at all, to all, all the way to those who have been seeking to be faithful all of their lives, it is time for all of us to stand and to grow deeper in our faith. And when we do that, friends, that's when we will feel the difference as we connect ourselves in growth and in faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit, using our gifts. Will you do that with me? Will you join me as we seek to grow together in faith in the power of the Holy Spirit? Will you join me? Hallelujah. Amen.